0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my best buddy out there, Seth Robinson. Seth. Hey, how you doing? I, I'm hanging in there. I have a bit of a heat wave here this week, so it's, oh, it's been summertime uh, now. Uh, it is, yeah. Technically, it is summertime, so had to adjust to that. Get the air conditioner in my bedroom going and all that fun stuff. Um, since we are not central AC here in New England. Most houses aren't, um, so we suffer. As you know, I sweat through the summer, right? Mm. <laughs> but mm. I can't imagine. <laughs> I know most people can't. I have an old house, so that's the way it, way it rolls. So, how's it going there? It's school good. Yeah. My daughter finished high school this week, so you know that was kind of a big deal. Yeah, we're not having to... much of a graduation celebration. Yeah,
1: yeah we but... wrapped up school here too, and so you know we. Now we got the summer in front of us and it'll be a different summer, but I mean, that's okay. You know, I mean, we'll, you know, still looking forward to a good time.
0: Yeah, no, the one one actual um, silver lining in this is that my daughter's summer job still exists. And I thought that would go away. She works at a farm stand and it's outdoors and she still has her position there. So she actually will be able to work this summer, which I was not expecting at all. So that's been a one bright light. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good.
2: But anyway, there's a
0: lot going on. We could talk about all kinds of things today, but um, we have a guest and I'm very happy to have her on board with us. Seth, if you want to introduce, and then we can kind of dive into some of the things that are very pertinent to what CompTIA is doing right now.
1: Yeah, we are very pleased today to welcome Cinnamon Rogers. She is CompTIA's Executive Vice President for Public Advocacy. And so she and her team have been uh, in D.C. for a long time uh, doing advocacy related to the tech industry, but especially over these past few months, uh, they've been very busy as the world has been changing due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So we wanted to talk with her a little bit about what her team has been doing. So Cinnamon, thanks for joining us today.
2: Welcome. Thank you so much, Seth and Carolyn. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. I just passed my one year anniversary at CompTIA. So, um, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm really excited to be talking to you both and, and to your audience about the world that we're living in um, as it relates to CompTIA's work in advocacy. So maybe I'll just jump right in. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, I, I, I'm
0: interested because this has got to throw, it's thrown everybody off their axis, right? And so, in particular, I can't even imagine how public policy types of projects, initiatives, priorities, all of it has been impacted by this, you know, really
2: hard right turn that we've all had to take. Right. Well, that's, that's absolutely true. CompTIA's advocacy team, first and foremost, we work to advance the interests of the IT sector. We work on ensuring policies at both the state and the federal level. So we have a state and a federal team. All of our focus is on allowing the industry to innovate and invest, providing strong cyber and supply chain security solutions, allowing for free and fair trade, and of course, um, building a 21st century workforce. So, you know, when we're looking at how we do all of that during COVID-19, one big takeaway for me and um, the rest of the team over the past few months uh, is how important IT companies are, small, medium, and large, Mm -hmm. keeping us connected, keeping businesses running, schools and workers, of course, as everyone knows, are more dependent than ever right now on remote learning, on telework, Uh, health professionals are using telehealth solutions more than ever. So, making sure all the technology works is critical, and therefore, all the priorities that we focus on and have been focused on pre-pandemic are um, very much front and center. In fact, I would say even heightened during this time, for example, we've always worked to promote ubiquitous broadband in America, right? There's always been this concern about a digital divide. So that has always been a top priority for us, ensuring that whether you're, you know, socioeconomic or uh, rural areas all have equal access to high-speed broadband. Also, of course, always very focused on keeping our networks secure, making sure our supply chains are safe and reliable. That's a critical um, set of policy issues that remains, or I should say, is even heightened during this time. And then ensuring we have a pipeline of IT workers that's able to build, manage, and protect our infrastructure is hugely important. And we're at a time where you have record unemployment. So figuring out how to help those displaced workers find jobs and especially high-paid, stable jobs in IT is certainly been a big focus for us during this time, even more than ever.
1: Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, Cinnamon, you know, everything that you've been describing, I think sounds great for the industry in general, and especially during this time. Uh, you know, there's so much happening, and it just, it makes me think that, with any industry, I think one of the big challenges is helping lawmakers understand the issues of the industry because lawmakers might have some expertise, but they probably don't have deep expertise in every single issue that's coming to them. So could you talk just a little bit about the balance that you try to strike between informing lawmakers and then having the industry try to take the lead on certain issues? So uh, how, do, how does your team Help lawmakers understand the different issues that are out there, uh, and and make sure that they're making balanced decisions where they might not always have the deepest expertise.
2: Sure. Well, that's a challenge. Certainly, educating lawmakers about the complexities of our industry has been something that not just Comptia, but the entire industry and our members have um, struggled with. Again, we are an organization that represents big, medium, and small companies, all of which have a diversity of interests. And so first, it's really important for our advocacy team to really hone in on the issues that matter the most to the full cross-section of our membership. So I'll give you an example. Cybersecurity is an obvious one. Every company, big, medium, and small, prioritizes working with government to find solutions around how we manage cybersecurity. And so our internal processes rely on committees comprised of our members who look at the landscape both at the federal and state level with respect to what lawmakers' concerns are and come up with policy solutions that we can then collectively agree on. And once those decisions are made about what our collective industry priorities are and how that interfaces with what lawmakers are concerned with, then we're looking at how do we get in front of policymakers? And we do that in a variety of ways. So there's direct lobbying, obviously now in the current environment, that is not face-to-face. It's over Zoom, but that's a whole other set of issues that we're grappling with um, recently. But there's direct lobbying where we're speaking directly to members of Congress and their staff, state legislators, advocating for our positions. And that's usually happening in real time when legislation's moving. There are larger industry-wide campaigns that we might Join with other trade associations where we send letters to lawmakers to raise awareness around issues. So we add our voice to larger industry efforts to amplify and highlight issues of the day. There's marketing campaigns where we spend time hosting events that allow our member companies to speak on issues that are important to them. And that highlights, like, we'll have five to ten events a year on Capitol Hill where we invite members and staff and we have panel conversations discussing every issue of the day, whether it's 5G security or, again, the future of the workforce. So it's starting with the process of ensuring that we understand what the priorities are for our diverse membership And then it's finding every pathway to lawmakers to influence them, whether it's direct lobbying, marketing, or events.
0: Obviously, a wide number of initiatives and activities that you need to address. And it's amazing. And now we're in this time where things have gone haywire. And I wanted to ask you about the stimulus packages that have been one that's already been signed and 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 you know I got a check the other day I was pretty happy um, it wasn't what I was expecting but you know but then we've got others that are on the table right now I know the House passed this three trillion dollar one which is big it's going to hit a huge hurdle in the Senate as I understand and reading but most of our members are SMBs they're small businesses we do tons of research here at Comptia and generally, if you're talking about channel solution providers and, and managed services providers who make up the large bulk of our membership, we're, we're talking small companies. We're talking companies under a million dollars in revenue and you know some who have fewer than 10 employees. And so these are, they're, they're ripe for this type of stimulus. How are you helping people navigate that? Give us a little insight there.
2: Well, let me back up a bit and just give you a little bit of an update on how we're actually advocating during this period of time, because Great. as you well articulated, you know, we are currently grappling with an upended way of living and working, and there that's not an exception for D.C. and state capitals. We're in a position where there's not a lot happening in terms of public hearings um, for an extended period of weeks for the bulk of March and April, you know, members of Congress were at home and Congress has slowly started to adapt, started to hold hearings. You may have seen some televised on CNN where you have a a huge committee room with socially distanced senators, remote Mm -hmm. witnesses. Members calling from their homes, no, and no audience, no in-person audience, there's not going to be a walking of the halls, no lobbyists are going to be allowed in lobbies for any time in the near future on Capitol Hill. We also just had our first remote vote this week in the House, which was, again, an indication that they're starting to adapt to a new normal. So getting to your point, yes, there's been now four huge stimulus bills that have passed, the, the largest being the CARES Act, which was a roughly $2 trillion bill that included small business loans, which I think you were referring to, also mm-hmm. the check protection program, also, again, individual checks to folks. So it's a huge bill, the CARES Act, and that was pulled together by a very small group of people. It was mostly leadership. It was mostly Pelosi staff on the House side, Mitch McConnell's staff on the Senate side. So not a lot of rank and file, which meant you know, it was harder for organizations to sort of lobby that bill because it was such a small number of people pulling that together. That's the first four stimulus bills that passed. And in that package, there was funding for small and medium-sized businesses for them to keep their utilities running. There was not funding for small and medium-sized businesses to pay for their IT and other cyber services. So one effort that CompTIA has taken on, um, on behalf of those smaller members our MSP community, working with Nancy Hamerick and her team, pulling together a grassroots effort to reach out to the Hill and advocate that the PPP program should be extended to allow for small, medium-sized businesses to use that federal funding also for IT and cyber services. So that's Mm -hmm. one big effort um, that we've undertaken. We've also you know, a few weeks ago, the House passed a fifth stimulus package. This is what you'll hear referred to as the HEROES Act. This has only passed out of the House. And Carolyn, you're correct. There's going to be some, a lot of negotiation uh, before it reaches the president's desk because their Senate leaders are, I think they're starting to come around. They realize they've got to do some more stimulus, but there's still a lot, it's still early, early times on the Senate side. But the HEROES Act provided an additional $3 trillion in relief, and we were very actively engaged in pulling together language as part of that package. Part of what we were advocating is on this small, medium-sized business piece to allow for more funding for IT and, and cyber. But there were others as well that that kind of dovetail into some of the priorities that I had I had mentioned earlier. The good news is that, you know, some of the areas where we worked really hard, we we advocate for more funding for workforce programs. There's $2 billion in there supporting workforce programs. We also worked uh, and advocated that there be funding to expand broadband access, and that also is in the HEROES Act at around $5 billion. So, again, you know, these are strange times. Uh, We want to be Mm -hmm. having conversations with the Hill as appropriate when um, when they're looking at new funding sources that fit within our priorities.
0: What's your gut on this uh, phase five bill passing?
2: It's not going to look like the House bill. It will. I I would suspect the Senate will start somewhat from scratch. The good news is, I think anything that's in the Heroes Act is sort of then it's it's alive and there's there it shows that there's momentum behind those ideas. Some of them are bipartisan ideas. Uh, but I suspect that the Senate bill, the Senate will pass some some version. Uh, it will not be three trillion. It will likely be uh, a much lower dollar figure. And just just to give you a sense of like context for the amount of spending that is happening right now. So again, the first four packages provided three trillion in funding. Um, This latest one, you know, three trillion. Uh, The total cost for these packages so far um, is the largest in US history. Just like by way of comparison, you may remember back in 2008 and 2010 during the financial crisis, there was some stimulus spending that was 1.6 trillion. So you compare Mm -hmm. that to where we are today I mean, our budget for the entire federal government in fiscal year 19, including Social Security and Medicare, was $4.4 So the federal stimulus right now is really at unprecedented levels, which reflects the moment that we're in.
0: It certainly does.
1: Yeah, that's great. I think that does such a good job of explaining you know, how you connect to these things that we see in the news. Everyone sees these things in the news, but they don't always understand what all goes into it and what's behind it. Um, beyond these things that we we might be aware of, are there any other issues that are kind of coming to the surface? Any Anything maybe new that, that wasn't around in your priority list uh, before the pandemic started?
2: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. And definitely, yes. And it's, it's really also highlighted how important it is to have both a set, state and a federal team at a time like this. First, I'll just highlight the, you know, our state government affairs team, which is run by Alexi Madden. They've done an amazing job over the last um, several months, keeping our members informed about like when all the states were closing down, like they were sending out regular updates in real time about which states were shutting down and what that meant. Now they've had to completely flip script and they're focused on reopening. So they are constantly in touch with all their I mean, we've got 50 states that we've got to manage, like, what is happening in these 50 state <laughs> legislatures right now, which are reopened, what bills are are going to, you know, be kind of fall to the wayside, which ones are going to are going to make it through. So the closing down and the reopening piece at the state level has been just managing the volume of information um, has been Um, a real challenge, but something the team has really done an amazing job. Our members are really happy with with all the the information flow from the SGA team. Another really important issue that's come up is defining which workers are essential. I mean, that's been a huge, important topic over the last few months, of course, because as states are closing down, there were a lot of questions around what that means. Now, of course, as things are reopening, essential workers were still working this entire time and of course are going to be the first to go back if they're not already working. So we've spent a lot of time working with the relevant agencies and governors as decisions have been made about defining what an essential worker is. That's, this has all been driven through the federal government and then the federal government is sort of disseminating that information to a certain extent down to the states So the key policymaker on this front has been the Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. We're just going to call them CISA. That's what everyone refers um, to the agency as in Washington. And we've been working with them in real time over the last few months. They're the ones defining which workers are essential. And that's going to impact both how government and industry um, employ their workforce. And of course, this was critical as states were shutting down. And now it's just as important as states are initiating this sort of phased reopening that we're living through now. And CISA has basically designated 16 critical infrastructure sectors. And they're broken down along the lines of which parts of our economy are so crucial. If they stopped functioning today, it would be debilitating for mm-hmm. the nation. That's how they're looking at that list. And of course, in our neck of the woods, that means, you know, communications, critical manufacturing, information technology, they're included in that list of 16. So CISA has basically developed this guidance. Um, They've done it in iterations. You don't need to know all the backstory, but basically they've developed this guidance for these 16 critical infrastructure sectors, and they're designed to help both industry and government. Again, I mean, industry is desperate for this information. They want to make sure that they're in compliance and that they're protecting their workers. So this is all also being done, I should note, in uh, collaboration with the CDC and HHS, the health organizations. But basically what we found is, so CISA issues these guidelines, the states are... Essentially, taking that guidance and putting it into their own statewide guidance, either through executive orders or other other ways. Um, but what we found on the ground, what our state government affairs team is reporting to us, is that you know, the states are, you know, they're they're all eager again to adopt the guidance, but because there's room for interpretation and there's ambiguity. And there's really no single arbiter for, you know, how the language applies in every situation in real life. You know, each state and jurisdiction is taking different approaches. So I'm going to stop you there because I find this
0: fascinating. I think that no other time in our history has exposed the federalist nature of, of, of our society like this, in that you don't get ultimate guidance from the federal government, it's, it, it, it's really up to all the states to kind of figure things out on an individual basis. And while that is both empowering, it's also confusing. And I can't imagine you've got to navigate
2: that and it's difficult. Well, I would say that the federal government is doing a really good job of coming up with this guidance. I've been really impressed with the DHS and CISA for collaborating really well with industry and recognizing that their first iteration wasn't going to be their last they've issued four iterations of this guidance and you know they're doing it in real time during a pandemic that we've never had to deal with before so i you know i i do think that the federal government is working very hard to try to provide these basic guidelines and i do though agree that there's a fundamental challenge with once you hand that guidance over to 50 states, how they interpret it, how they put it into place is going to be different. So having to navigate the implementance has been hard. Again, yeah,
1: I, I was going to follow up on that, Cinnamon. So, mean, you've mentioned federal and state quite a bit. Obviously, most of CompTIA's work is here in the U.S. That's where we're based. But what about any international stuff? Do you play in that at all? Uh, you know, is, is that coming into play during this time?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and thanks for that question. Unfortunately, we've also been grappling with the current pandemic having exacerbated our relationship with uh, China, right? So, you know, that's negatively impacting our already tenuous trade relationship with China. Uh, Trade policy is something CompTIA is very focused on, and it's really critically important for our industry because we rely on a diverse supply chain, you know, from all across the world. And of course, you know, open and free markets. Kantia actually just released last week, we do an annual report called the Tech Trade Snapshot. So I want to give a shout out to Tim Herbert and his team. That was, again, just rolled out last week. And it basically explains the tremendous impact that trade has, and has had over the last, you know, I mean, I think over the last half century, trade volumes of goods and services increased by you know, 20-fold, topping 25 trillion uh, in 2018. And yet, you know, with all that growth, it just, again, is a reminder that when we have disruptions, how big of an impact it has on the flow of goods and services uh, between all of our, our trade partners. So we hosted a webinar just last week uh, with Tim Herbert and members, uh, including Google and others, that did a bit of a deep dive on that report. So anyone who's interested should go check it out on our website. On the advocacy front, you know our team has been really proactive over the last several years, uh, working, again, always towards promoting free and fair trade, but pushing back really hard against all the increased tariffs and new export controls that have really disrupted a number of our members' ability to maintain, again, they, they're they very diverse supply chains. China, of course, continues to be the big focus, but even beyond China, we're, we're, we're doing a lot with the UK and EU and Kenya, there's a lot of work on bilateral trade deals. Um, so so yes, we, uh, we focus a lot on trade policy, export control policy because that too is critical for all of our members success.
0: So Simon, I want to lighten it up here a little bit rumor has it and we we know it here at CompTIA but maybe our listeners do not that we are in the midst of opening a new DC office you want to talk a little bit about that?
2: Yes Carolyn thank you we're super excited we're ha- we have a brand new DC office located in the shadow of the Capitol. We'll be opening of course in compliance with DC's reopening as they phase uh, workers back in um, appropriately. And we'll of course follow all of their all of their lead and, and take all of their health considerations. Uh, make sure all of those health considerations are, are addressed. I know Todd, our fearless leader, is excited for us to host policymakers and our members for it to be a gathering place also allow us to really showcase in DC, you know, all the great work that CompTIA is doing, highlighting all the amazing workforce programs, our certification and training programs, again, highlighting the research library, and then, you know, all the other IT industry resources we have. So, you know, I think we're looking forward to a time when we can be back face-to-face with each other and policymakers, but, you know, I do think that um, you know, having this new expanded gathering spot is really going to allow CompTIA to influence um, policymakers going forward in a real way. And so we're, we're excited about when that day comes and we can all get back together.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited to take a trip down. I'm only an hour flight away, so hopefully that'll happen sooner rather than later. We would love to host you. <laughs>
1: Well, Cinnamon, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Clearly, your team is extremely busy and has gotten maybe even busier during this time. Uh, There's a lot to sort through and we're all living through a lot of questions and we're figuring it out. Uh, And and we're certainly appreciative of all of your efforts. Uh, So thanks again for joining us. And if people want to hear a little bit more along some of these lines. I think Carolyn and I are actually going to be touching on some of these topics in our weekly fodder show on LinkedIn on Monday. Uh, So check out CompTIA's LinkedIn page. We will be broadcasting live at noon Eastern, 11 Central, uh, and we'd love to have you join us. And then I also wanted to share a few other things happening at CompTIA if you're listening to this podcast and you might be looking for even more podcast uh, action. We've got a few new ones. Uh, There's a Tuesdays with Andrea that comes out of our foundation uh, and and Andrea McMillan on that team uh, just talks with a lot of leaders in the industry and and talks about things that are motivational for, for different teams. Uh, and she's been running that one since early April. And then, and then some newer ones are Shark Bites podcast, uh, which comes out of CompTIA's PTI group, uh, very closely tied to a lot of the things that Cinnamon mentioned here. Uh, Alan Shark on that team is having some discussions with local CIOs about the things that they're seeing. Uh, and that one launched a few weeks ago. And then coming up this Wednesday, June 3rd, uh, there will be the official launch of the BizTech podcast out of our membership group. Uh, that, that group has had some podcasts in the past out of our communities, uh, and they're kind of collapsing all of that together into one community-focused, member-focused podcast looking at a lot of different issues in the industry. So, so please go check out those podcasts uh, in whatever your favorite podcast app is, and I'm sure they would love to have you listen.
0: Yeah, it was great. There's lots of new content. Cinnamon, uh, I want to thank you for joining us today. I appreciate all of your insights. You are definitely busy and you got a lot going on on your plate. So thank you for joining. And hopefully we can talk to you when we're on the other side of this pandemic and see what's going on then.
2: Thanks, Seth and Carolyn. I look forward to that. All right. Take care.